some we set a lower ROI to make sure they get enough work to keep them working, right? You know what, though? I think we still have that balance between us where I really want to minimize the work and just do the higher ROI, higher net profit. And Perry wants to look look more at the um, opportunities in doing volume on a lower margin. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Hey, wanted to talk a few moments about some sponsors. Scope from Seller Labs. Um, when's the last time you created a listing, right? And when you create that listing, you've got to come up with the keywords, right? It's all keyword dependent. I don't care if it's uh, private label or wholesale. You've got to get it right. Well, what's the best way to get it right? If you're selling a similar product that's really successful, you go and you take and use their keywords. And that's what Scope does for you. It's a phenomenal tool brought to you again by Seller Labs, the leaders in technology uh, when it comes to Amazon right now. They are just crushing it with all their products. But Scope allows you to get that listing right. Get ranked for those keywords as fast as possible. Therefore, you get the sales. So, Go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum. Save a little bit of money. Get some free keywords to test. Try it out and see if you see an improvement. If you don't, adjust. What's cool about what I love about uh, Seller Labs is that you then message and say, hey, I didn't get this right, Tyler. Hey, Jeff, this isn't working right. What am I doing wrong? And boom you're going to get the help you need. And that's what you're going to get from Seller Labs. And, and it's a very special group. They've been very, I've been very fortunate to be connected with them. And again, I look over time, they've delivered every single time. You know, same thing I can say for Karen from Solutions for E-Commerce. I mean, she's been carrying my account for a couple of years now, um, and our account, my wife and I, and she really does handle things for us. Um, I mentioned uh, just last week, we created a new listing with forget how many variations but again all the flat files uploaded done as I needed I pop in so she'll send me a template I pop in some information and then boom it's handled oh wait these pictures weren't done right blah 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 this UPC needs it boom modified adjusted and again the communication has been phenomenal too I get an email pack saying hey this was done or this you're missing this Steve hey you got to do this so you know we have those challenges too and that's why I like working with somebody who's been doing it and been doing it for a long time did you know Karen also does listings for eBay? Yep, lots of them. So if you want to build out that channel, which of course you should, it's Q4, you should be selling everywhere you can. Um, Karen can help you with that too. So you got to tell her I've sent you. So you're going to go to solutions for e-commerce forward slash momentum. You're going to save 50 bucks every single month. You're going to save that $50. But more importantly, you're going to get an inventory health report. Um, did you just get hit with monthly long-term storage fees? Well, guess what? If you haven't, they're coming. You want to get that inventory right, and she can help you with that. You got to tell her I sent you. Again, solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum, will get you into that. Save the 50 bucks. Get that inventory health report, though. That's really, really important. Get that going right away. And I don't want to miss my coach when it comes to retail orb or online orb. When I have a question, and I do, not that we don't we don't really do much of it anymore, but when I do have a question, I go to Gay Lisby. Because why? Because she's really... She is a coach. I mean, she's really phenomenal, but she also puts out a daily list and you're going to get that list five days a week. You're going to get tons of leads. The number of uh, 
agreed to amount that you're supposed to get, she, she usually gets to those in the four days. And then the fifth day seems to be a bonus most of the time. Phenomenal group, small amount of uh, buyers where this list is going to. And the best thing is the nuggets that you learn. Hey, why is the red one better than the blue one? Gate can help you with those questions. I saw, hey, I got, um, I got a, the dreaded letter about a brand. Here's the, here's the way you approach it. Hey, receipts, um, how do you, what's the best practice? I saw her leading instructions, teaching me, the accountant, how to do a better job with it. And it's phenomenal. So it's Gay Lisby's um, a million dollar selling. Um, I'll have the link in here. You've got to use um, the, my, my link, and, and it does help me. I don't want to say it that way, but um, it's part of Amazing Freedom with Andy Slamins, Lee Ron, Hirsch Korn, and Nate Slamins, so you know you can trust them, okay? So come out to the website, take a look at it, and you will get uh, savings, and you can get two weeks free right now. Only through my link, you get two weeks free. Try it. You don't like it? I get it. Back off. But right now is the time to make money. Get cash flow going right now. And so join, you get two weeks free. The only way you're going to get the two weeks free is if you use my link. It's on this episode. Come on out and give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Again, you're going to see me in there. So reach out if I can help you too. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 346, Perry and Kim Coughlin. You know, as a couple, they are a real, real opponent. I, I could not I would not want to take them on in any sport in any way because together they are an unstoppable force, you know, and to be honest with you, they got an army behind them. Wait till you hear that story. But it's the truth. Um, it's funny how it's not like they finish each other's sentences. It's it's more like they're such in the, the same wavelength of thought because he knowingly knows where she's going to go and vice versa. To me, when you can complement each other that well, taking advantage of each other's strengths, knowing when to say no, when to say yes, and then add respect to it, man, you wonder, you wonder what could be um, if you took that same approach to your life. So if you're not Listen to this and then go back and say to your spouse, your significant other, I'm sorry, and I'm going to make a real effort to do this. And if you are, do more of it, period. You know, and so I'm talking to Steve here saying, hey, I could do better. I always can do better. Great couple, very, very, very successful. I spend a lot of time talking about um, process with them because I think they have figured out a process. And Perry's advice about this lean FBA, I think it's cutting edge stuff because as he describes it, you could almost double your productivity in the same space. Let me tell you, for a guy who just finished moving his warehouse, it took me a year and a half, and I'm still unpacking. It'll take me another year to unpack, and I'm not exaggerating. Ask Andy. Um, it's the worst. And so if you can stay where you're at and be more efficient and be better there, figure it out. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce moment of podcast. Very excited about today's guests, plural. Um, it's a his and her type of operation where clearly she's the brains of the operation. Perry and Kim Coughlin. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for having us. And Perry, you didn't disagree. You didn't say, hey, you weren't standing your ground on that one, were you? <laughs> yeah, no, I tell people I'm riding her coattails to fame and fortune. You know, that, hey, if that works for you and you can get away with it, then that is absolutely the right thing to do. Um, one of the coolest things about what you guys, just your story, 
is you are part of a large family. Now, I'm, I'm downplaying a little bit. You know, I came from a family, we, a brother and a sister and a mom and not a dad, but another dad. And so that was a pretty big family. My, my wife comes from, she had four brothers. So, you know, that was seven in that household. Um, break it down for us how, 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 what size your family is. We have uh, 11 kids at home, 13 total. So there's <laughs> for a household of 13 people. Today. So at one point it was 15. Yeah. Yeah. More or less. But when you get grandkids involved in there and without reaching cousins, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, how, how big is an event at your house? <laughs> Oh, just just our kids. We only have two grandkids so okay. far, with number three on the way. But I'm the oldest of six siblings, and Kim's the oldest of fourteen siblings. So 14. if you go much beyond that, or you get the two families together, it gets big really quick. It's like big. really, it, that's a deep relationship, though, isn't it? When I when I think of those giant families, we I remember having some of those in my uh, when I went to high school. There was a family they had nine or uh, nine or ten kids. They were so connected as a family. I mean, it was just like a machine. Is that still true in your in your world? I think it was more true when they were all little. Um, it's a different kind of machine now because uh, four or five of our kids in the house have driver's licenses and vehicles and jobs. They mostly work for us, but we're going in a lot of different directions at the same time. So it's, it's a more mature machine with a lot more moving pieces. I think, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because that is so complex. I'm sure, you know, who's doing what, there has to be a schedule. There has to be, or at least there had to be, like you're saying back when they were younger, just, just organizing, you know, anything would be a large task. Who did that fall upon? And be fair, well, no, early in our marriage, I was much less involved. I was working two or three jobs. Um, I, I don't have a college degree. And so I started the week after our oldest daughter was born working as a janitor in a chemical manufacturing facility in central Ohio at 5.50 an hour. Um, and I always held two or three jobs until basically we got involved with Amazon a few years ago. So parenting fell heavily on me, but Perry did help out when he was home. We've always kind of shared the duties, not in a 50-50 way, but just in a this is both our jobs kind of way. So so a homemaker for you is a whole different level, right? I mean, and, and that's not a negative. I mean, a homemaker to me is a very, that's a skill set. I mean, most people who come in with that skill set, they seem to adapt to this Amazon e-commerce or eBay world so quickly because they can... They could truly multitask. We say we multitask, but guys don't multitask. We're one task, right? We move on to the next task. We just shut that one down and start on the next one, right? But uh, that's a an amazing skill set, and you've taken it cubed, I think, is the math, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I never thought about that. But, yeah, there was there were so many moving pieces back then that maybe, maybe my parenting skills in a big family – played well into Amazon. Well, I think that's true. And and here's the other thing is that, you know, in that world, somebody's always crying. Well, you know, I think of my three granddaughters. There's always somebody crying. There's always somebody going to the bathroom. There's always a problem, right? <laughs> and now there's only three, right? And you add on. changing. Yeah, right. Outside of your control. And so your ability to adapt and just roll with it, because I'm like panic. I'm like, oh my God, somebody's crying. And they're like, don't worry about it. They're, 
they stuck their finger in an outlet. Don't worry. Come on. We can do that. You know, and it's like. Only do it once. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just funny. I, I just think that that's such a powerful, uh, uh, powerful skill set that when people are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'd be good enough in this Amazon e-commerce world. I'm like, man, you come with skills that me, I wish I had. I, I don't have those abilities. Okay. So, so why Amazon? I mean, Perry, I understand you were working three jobs. Um, was that not going to be, were none of them a future? Um, our whole story is kind of interesting because we've been looking, trying to be self-employed since like the year after we got married. It started with a, a Foley Bell saw mail order course on starting a VCR head cleaning business. Oh, the VCR head clean. That was going to be big, wasn't it? We, we did that. Yeah. Yeah. Really? And so we had all these iterations of part-time self-employment, what Amazon sellers would call a side hustle. Um, we mowed grass. I did some commercial janitorial work part-time for a friend. Um, I had a carpet cleaning business that I, I ran out of the back of a Dodge Colt hatchback because it was very compact um, equipment. So we've been on this journey um, since for 26 years together, but we sort of got a taste for e-commerce in 99 when we did some toy RA from Big Lots and these $200 toys sold about 150, 200 of them in they were big toys. It was called an air maze. If you, if you Google haystack toys and air maze, it's a really interesting product, but we were flipping them on eBay for $150 profit. Um, so that got our feet wet. And this was 99. Yeah. We looked back. That's why we basically started our eBay account was to flip these toys, paid off our van in three months. We owed like five or six grand on a van. I was making nine bucks an hour. Like it was magic back then. It was big money. <laughs> it was right? exciting. Yeah, yeah. You, you sell two or three of those. You made more in that transaction than you did all week working, right? right. Um, what, what was it that made that attractive to you? How did you know that that was going to be a hot thing? I mean, how did you, how did you come about? Nobody just magically says, oh, I've got a big idea. Perry? Uh, this well, is I Kim can... talking. She's like, Perry, I've got it figured out. We're going to Big Lots. We're going to buy this toy. Wait, wait, just hear this out. It's going to be big. And you're looking at like. Reverse it. You're on the right track. Yeah. All right, so, Kim. Kim, it's going to be big. It's the big one. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, right, bud. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't even that. It was, uh, I am a 10-year-old boy wrapped stuck in a 45-year-old man's body, right? I can second that. And I've been watching yeah, these sure. toys. Big Lots had priced them at 180 bucks, and I've been watching them because they look like something that'd be fun to play with my kids with. And when they got down to 120 bucks, I came home and Google. The internet was early. We were still using like a 486 computer, right? Mm -hmm. And I got on eBay.com, or no, I I looked at the website and saw that Macy's and Hammer and Schlammer and some other companies were selling the same toy for 300 dollars. And then Kim, who'd been looking at eBay for used homeschool books, suggested that we look at eBay. And we saw that we could make at least $100, $150 on them. So I headed back to the store to buy it while she made the auction. Did you invest your, you know, call it your life savings at that point and say, hey, this is a calculated <laughs> math? Or do you use a credit card? <laughs> well, the first one. 
she did a buy it now with a flat high price shipping, which was kind of new to eBay back then. Mm-hmm. And this might have been 2000. I don't know if it's 99, but yeah. we were right on the leading edge whenever it was. And um, so it sold before I brought the first one home from Big Lots. Like it's she made the auction live and it sold before I got home from the store. Um, so she put up another auction and I went and bought two more and they sold by the next day. At that point, we had one credit card. We just ran the credit card up. Um, to, maxed to, it out filled up our guest room with these big huge toys <laughs> did you did you envision i mean was this going to go on forever i'm sitting here thinking about you know was this a just a one-time event an anomaly in your minds or did you think oh my gosh this could go on forever well this one toy was a closeout so we knew it wasn't going on forever but at that point perry definitely got the bug he was haunting all the big lots for years after that looking for our next big strike and he was he was finding items that had um modest profit margins and pestering me to set up auctions and i just felt like it was too much work for the the moderate margins he was finding but he he never let it go (laughs) in fairness by then we had uh four kids under six. So it was a little bit of a time sink. We, we had four, four and under. Yeah, diapers or <laughs> listing eBay, diapers, listing eBay, right. and get lost, or sleep, sleep or right. listing eBay, probably even better, right? Well, what, what's interesting to me is that you started chasing, did you start rationalizing, well, you know, hey, we could still make six bucks, Kim, we could still make, you know, $4 on this one, right? You start that rationalization. Did, did when you look to today, that same mindset, is that still the same mindset, Perry, specifically to you? Um, yeah, sort of. Like back then, I was only making 10 or 12 bucks an hour. So that was my calculus. If we sold four of these, I'd make $24 an hour. You know, If we could find enough to make 10 to 20000 a year. Um, today, the calculus is a little different. We definitely have... Uh, a higher sell- threshold, right? You, yeah, but okay. we have to balance that against three or four full-time shoppers who help us with our sourcing. So some we set a lower ROI to make sure they get enough work to keep them working, right? You know what, though? I think we still have that balance between us where I really want to minimize the work and just do the higher ROI, higher net profit. And Perry wants to look, look more at the um, opportunities in doing volume on a lower margin. Um, well, I'm sitting here thinking about this. So you tempered him. However, this is a pro tip coming across from a couple that's doing it well, that it it's not a hard line in the sand as needed. Is that a fair way to say it? True. We we One of the unique things about our business is we are almost polar opposites in our personalities, right? She's very unemotional, analytical. I'm a Vulcan. Uh, I'll own it. Yeah. And uh, although I, I kind of hate the term visionary, but, you know, I, I sort of I'm always looking down the road. What's the next thing? Where do we need to adjust? And so we balance each other. We have it's like when you have a CEO that nobody wants to criticize in a big company, they get out of balance. I've worked in those environments. Um, we sometimes there's some heat and sparks, but we bring that that balance to each other's personalities and usually end up in a pretty good place. Hmm. It's interesting to me that that's continued, though. You know, when you look back, that she was tempering you, right? And 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 with with sense, right? And yep. and you're doing that again today. So that to me is it's a it's a 
the formula that works. And so I think that that's very cool. Do and it see- works both ways. It works both ways because he also pulls me out of my little safety box. Oh, okay. We'll He's talk about that. Pushing me outside my, my comfort zones in this business. Give us an example. Um, well, the ROI. He, I, I didn't want to do a lot of the low margin items that he wanted, but we end up finding that balance between us. And it's definitely outside of where I would have chosen alone. Well, it's or, not only a financial decision, though, right? I mean, because it, it, for me, I always use this thing. I use this term, a hassle factor. You know, if you have to bag it, put three labels on it, you got to do this, and you got, and you know, it's going to be, a, you know, going to have high returns. Blah blah. That's a hassle. So I'm out right. on that one. How about for right, you guys? Sure. But we we outsource a lot of our labor, so it does, in a lot of cases, come down to just uh, just the numbers. Um, also using debt in our business. He's a lot more comfortable with that than I am. And between the two of us, I think we find a good balance. Yeah. Hmm. Or when we expanded, we, uh, the second category we hit really hard was groceries, RA. And um, she would want to test three to five. And as soon as two sold, I was bugging her to put 15 or 20 in stock and then find a new product, right? So we were using debt and it was expanding, but I saw it as a formula where we could get our money back quickly, and she saw it as as a liability, the debt. And so we didn't go too far into debt, but we kept expanding for three or four years, and now we're kind of in a place where we agree we want to stabilize and and refine our our systems. Well, what does that mean, stabilize and refine your systems? What does that mean, stabilize? Well, we've set min and max spending goals for our sourcers, so stabilize our cash flow for one okay. thing, not expand the business. Okay. And stabilizing cash flow is one of the hardest things, right? It's definitely one of the hardest things in this business is finding enough money to buy all the stuff you can find. Right. And we've been on a steep growth curve for several years now. Um, and we use debt to get there, but we're, we're not, we don't have any loans right now. And we're working to stabilize our, our sales, our gross, our, our spending, get everything on a, on a good path. So would you would you say then that your goal is to get to a place where you could self-fulfill that cash flow? So when you need a loan, it's you loaning the money. Yes, oh. I would love that. That's, okay. <laughs> That's exactly she, where I want to go. She, she indulged my crazy desire to put up big sales numbers and grow our business and build this machine that we have. And um, we agreed ahead of time that when we hit about where we are in sales, um, we'd stop. We pay off all the loans, pay down the credit cards, stack some cash, pay off the house, get get uh, secure. So, so that you agreed to that, but does that that doesn't sound like your nature? Is that pushing up against everything that in your <laughs> backbone, Perry? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I, I, um, so there's a couple things like uh, I have some friends in the business that are bigger than me, and I'm always teasing them. I'm going to catch them, right? Um, I have internal goals. Uh, it's a, pri- a guy pride thing. I know I can scale this because that's my background in, in logistics and warehousing. It's, it's a lot of things, but at the same time, what's most important to me is my relationship with Kim. Hmm. And I know that she has a need from 26 years of marriage. She wants to be financially secure, right? Um, and I think a lot of wives do. At least one person in the relationship generally does. And so now... Since we're at a comfortable level, I want to I want to be respectful of of her needs and wishes and desires. 
Well, what does financial security mean to you? Because I think that's relative, right? I think a lot of people, you know, want the big house, uh, the brand new car, uh, the yacht, right? You would like that yacht, right? Everybody likes. Well, all right, everybody wants the yacht, but let's take that out. But I mean, I'm so I'm a Mustang guy. I'm sorry. I'm more of a Ford Mustang GT kind of guy. Uh, yeah, that's a good sourcing vehicle too. You can fit a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> a lot of kids too, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, sure. There's a reason you want that car. Then you're alone, right? You get your downtime. But but seriously, I mean, what does financial security uh, mean to you? Um, well, to me, it means having a house paid off. It means having some cash in the bank, having a, a good cushion with zero debt. That's and being able to live on less than you're making. Is that important you as a parent trying to teach a lot of kids that responsibility? Oh yeah, we we teach our kids not to go into debt. We see business debt as something very different from consumer debt. Right. And we don't we don't do car loans. I would love to have our house paid off. I know a mortgage is a little bit different than consumer debt and different even than even than vehicle loans, but we talk to our kids about debt a lot, and it's a priority to us to maintain yeah. a zero debt level if we can. We, we've generally been in the Larry Burkett, Dave Ramsey, cash only kind of a mindset over the years. And so we have our kids take their gross earnings, take 10% out for to give to the church, then split what's left and put half into uh, savings. So we want them to be better at I want them to be better at saving than I have traditionally been in my life. Um, and it seems to be working so far. Well, I think it's hard. I mean, it's a little hard to, to measure yourself when you have 13 kids savings. I, I can't imagine that you have any savings. I, I don't know if, how you would possibly have any savings because, you know, the enormous cost you must have had. So don't put yourself down too bad. Um, you feel oh, no, I like toys. I like yeah. my toys. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, and you like your whiskey too, right? Isn't that the, right, Kim? Isn't that his thing? He does. He does, yeah. He's, yeah. he's terrible. I'm sitting at her desk looking at a bottle of Weller, though, so it's not one-sided. <laughs> but I heard that it's because this uh, this um, embarrassment by your cowboys. I That's what I've heard. So I was told to ask about that, so I just want to make sure that I'm clear on that. Oh, that's uh, that's just mean. I know. I, you know. I'm not a football guy. Well, I had, to go there. I had to go there. But you know, that's that's a very cool thing. One of the things you've talked about, Perry, is that you have some experience in warehousing. Talk about that, and then talk about how that you apply that into your current business. Okay. Um, so, the last long-term job I had before we got into Amazon was in a, a small. Um, a small multi-channel retailer's warehouse. And What's multi-channel multi mean? What's that mean? Multi-channel. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a catalog, and we had a website, and we ran um, print ads and magazines. And so we did mail order, we did web, um, we did email marketing. So we marketed in multi-channels and took orders in a couple different ways. We okay. took, yeah, they did phone orders, web orders, and mail orders. Wow. Um, you're and old, dude. You're old. <laughs> it was dying. Like when I started in 2003, it was mail order was over half of our uh, our business from the catalog. And by 2013, when I got a new position as a consultant, it was uh, less than 10 percent. So I definitely <sighs> lived through the growth or the, the shift rather. Hmm. Um, so I had this 3000 skew warehouse, 20,000 square feet 
we did about 90,000 orders a year, give or take a few thousand. Wow. And 25% of those orders, Steve, came in the three weeks after Thanksgiving, starting with Black Friday. Are you kidding? Yeah, no. So the scale was September, end of September, early October. We're literally shipping 60 to 80 orders a day with two or three people. And by Black Friday, I had to have 40 people trained, um, temps mostly, 40 temps recruited and trained and prepared to handle between two and 3,000 orders a day for three weeks. <laughs> and, um, and how many SKUs again? Counting all the multi-packs and bundles and the kidding we did, it was about 3,000 SKUs at one point. So 3,000 SKUs, uh, yeah. you said two to 3,000 a day? Orders at peak, yeah. Uh, at orders a day. Oh, my gosh. That's so many moving pieces. And, and different sizes and, and all different, right, you know, packaging-wise. Right. Yeah, so it was everything from an audio CD or even a harmonica one time. We had a harmonica, an old-fashioned one in the catalog, all the way up to the Davy Crockett rifles that they used to sell in the 50s. There's mm -hmm. a little toy company in Kentucky that still makes them. And so those things are like 39 inches long, right, versus a five by six inch CD case. And so I, yeah, it was crazy. That sounds crazy. So a 20,000 square foot warehouse, what I would think is majority of it would be for storage and then very little for shipping, right? Typically the shipping is usually crammed in a corner, not very big, you know, not a lot of value put on it. How do you manage, how, how does that work in that Q4 time laying out a warehouse to, ho to house all those employees? Yeah, well, that was, that was the challenge because it was set up by people before I got there who were laymen in terms of warehousing and pick, pack, and ship operations. Uh, my job prior to this was in a chemical manufacturing, nutritional supplement manufacturing environment. So I, I had shipped in the 10 years previous about the same dollar amount, um, but it was a tanker worth $150,000 of solvent, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, barrels of flavor compounds worth 20 or 30,000. So that the average order size at, at the fulfillment company was 80 bucks. So there's a big difference in volume. And I was pretty much a layman when it came to pick and pack operations. So I came into this environment was kind of a mess. And two or three years in, I had a problem on my hands where I knew it needed to be better, but I didn't have the tool set or the language to make it better. And that second or third year, um, the guy who would become my, my mentor in lean thinking came into the warehouse. His kids, it was kind of an odd situation. He was between paid consulting gigs. He was a lean uh, business process improvement consultant. He was a black belt, they call it in the lean world. But he, had a, he had a big homeschool family and his kids wanted to work um, for Christmas money. And he just wanted to hang out with his kids. So he volunteered in the warehouse and picked orders. And after two weeks, he came up to me and said, <laughs> I don't want to insult you, but your warehouse is making me crazy. Can I give you some advice? I don't want to insult you, but you suck, Perry. I mean, it's just not right. good, right? Yeah, and I, I knew I sucked. <laughs> yeah, but how, how hard is that, especially as a guy, right? I mean, you know, uh, how, how hard is that? You know it's wrong. You wanted to fix it. You probably did fix a lot. Maybe when you came in, it was really, really, really bad. And now it's only really, really bad. Right. And so you made all these improvements, but somebody comes in and within two weeks says, Oh my God, this is just terrible. How hard is that to hear? Um, you know, I can be that guy that's, that's hard to correct, but in this case, 
I was desperate. I'd, I'd hit a wall that was kind of the end of my abilities, and I knew it. And it wasn't your system anyways that he was criticizing. Right. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it was a, you might have enhanced a little bit. So yeah. so walk us through the like the easiest first thing that he fixed where the light went on for you that there's way better ways. <laughs> he Well, I, I had this long packing line where 30 people stood shoulder to shoulder, and we conveyed orders down in front of them. They would grab one order each, pack the whole order with air pillows or peanuts to fill it like that's and then set it on a conveyor behind them and shove it down to the shipping station. And Chuck came to me and he says, uh, I can get three people to pack one order faster than your fastest, most experienced guy. And I looked at him and said, you're insane. You're full of crap. There's no way. Right. And so he challenged me to a time trial. And at the end of that time trial, I gave him the three greenest temps. You know, I was trying to game the system a little bit. Sure. I, I took the guy that had been with me for, or had been in that organization for eight years. It was only my third year. He'd been packing since he was like a 12-year-old kid. Chuck's three guys packed an entire order in about 28 seconds total, about eight and a half, nine seconds apiece, right? And my guy took 90 seconds to pack that order. Wow. Yeah. And it was like... I was Neo and I could see the matrix suddenly. <laughs> no kidding. All right. So, so you're looking, you're stepping back and you're like, okay, he might be on to something. I mean, it was that, was that, I, you say you were like Neo watching the matrix, but, but realistically, cause you have to sell this to somebody else eventually, correct? Yeah. And they weren't buying it. Yeah. Right. So that's the next <laughs> challenge, right? You got to buy all in if you're going to go convince somebody who probably created the system or his father did. And we've always done it that way, Perry. I mean, that's just the way we do things, right? Um, how, how do you get the buy-in to be able to go and sell this next level? Um, well, it, you know, it was, uh, it took about another 18 months to get the company to buy in. Wow. Uh, we kept playing with things around the edges in an unimproved process. There's always low hanging fruit, right? There's always little things you can change that seem to have a big impact. But uh, what really happened was in 2008, a couple years later, um, was the first year that the company really invested and in, went out on a branch and tried to private label some of their own toys and had a bunch of inventory coming in. And then the stock market crashed, finances crashed in 08 in the fourth quarter, right? Right as our catalog was hitting people. And so we... We slashed our prices preemptively and tried to move volume, but we didn't have a lot of profit. So it was interesting. All of the office staff, the administrative staff volunteered that year to work some evening shifts and had made just enough improvements that they could see what we were doing, why we were doing it. And after Whoa. that, yeah. That's big. That's big right there. So, so if you're trying to sell something to somebody, let them come and participate. Yeah. And all of these improvements were uh, based on what American business would call lean manufacturing or lean process management, which springs out of the Toyota production system, right? And in the Toyota world, in the lean world, um, group involvement, getting stakeholders involved and buy in and participate in suggesting improvements is huge. And in my experience, every time I've done that, rather than me try to be the expert, 
get the guys on the floor and the guys in management together and broker that conversation, it paid off huge. Well, let's take it forward for a second. I, I stay. I want to go back to the, the lean because I think you're completely on to something in so many where I think of our own warehouse here. You know, when we're, and Andy and I are here doing something, there are times we sit back and say, there's got to be a better way, right? But bring that forward. Can you apply this lean concept? And I always call it reducing touch points is my theory on stuff, right? Every time you touch something, there's a cost, time or money, right? Absolutely. Can you can you apply that in these smaller, uh, you know, six-figure to seven-figure FBA businesses? Yeah, I I think you absolutely can. And um, from the beginning of being exposed through my friend Chuck um, to lean, what I've seen is a, a huge hole in the market, right? Where guys like Chuck, they work for $500 an hour. These black belts, these master lean process engineers, lean Six Sigma, all those guys. Um, but then there's these small businesses where a little bit of knowledge and a couple tools will double, triple, quadruple your throughput. Um, let's bring it back to RA because that's what I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a 2,000 square foot space you're working out of and you can double the speed um, of your prep and your, and your output, your shipping, you can stay in that space twice as long. You can do twice as much with the same man hour. You don't have to hire. You don't have to go find a bigger warehouse. Um, this is absolutely achievable for any business owner that, that wants to study, understand the tools, and teach it to their employees. So I'm thinking about that, right? So what you just said. So a lot of people, um, and I've seen this story. I always think of Dan and Eric, right? They started with a really small warehouse, and they doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled. And yeah. um, Or Greg Murphy, who's in this massive warehouse, right? It's just mo- monstrous because it, it just needed, he's out of space, right? Um, yeah. So you're suggesting that through efficiencies, right, through addressing those pain points, first off, finding out what the pain points are, then addressing them. Like yep. with a plan, with a real plan, not ignoring them and saying it's always done that way, Perry, that mm-hmm. that you can extend the life. Is it it's it's probably really valuable to extend that life, especially when Amazon is changing outside of your control. Right. I mean, uh, you know, right. seller, seller fulfilled prime didn't exist very long ago. Right. What does that do for certain size products, right? You don't send them to FBA if it doesn't make sense, yet you still get the prime value, right? If that makes sense in your business, that didn't exist. That variable didn't exist. So if you're able to hold on to your costs, um, because the other cost is finding a facility, then adapting it. I mean, moving is is the worst thing in the world, right? Um, All those costs, you're thinking that you could extend the life of where you are. Hmm. Have yeah. you, can you give us an example where, like, because you guys have a warehouse, can you give mm-hmm. us an example of what you've been able to improve and, and, and did you, what percentage did it improve? I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if that's quantifiable. Yeah, no, it's not, not only is it quantifiable, but, uh, and Kim, jump in here if you want to. We, we try to measure everything we can, right? Um, you should quantify it as a business owner. If, if you're not measuring it, you don't really understand it. So wait, you have a, you have a group of metrics, even for an RA operation that you're tracking. I do. Um, we, we measure the line items shipped per man hour on a daily basis and average it across a week, um, for the whole team, one team, one fight. Uh, we don't pick on any one person, but we do coach. Like we had a girl who every time she worked, she would slow us down 
and we worked with her over two months and now she just seamlessly integrates into our system and uh, by looking at touches travel motion um, supply stock points and reorder we've taken our operation from I would say high teens I think it was when we moved in in February to the high 30s in terms of line item ship per man hour um, now this is a shoes and clothes RA operation. We're 60 to 70% shoes. Um, we're basically cross docking. We ship about five to 700 items a day and we bring in about 500 items a day on average. And we have a couple of prep clients who have a similar product mix. So um, we've, our, our current baseline is 30 items per man hour and we're stretching for 50 items per man hour if we can. And those numbers are measured across an entire day. So it includes everything, every touch point in the process from receiving when our shoppers drop stuff off and count it in and scanning receipts. It's everything Inclusive. except, yeah, everything except um, cleaning the facility and admin stuff. Right. So we which try to which they should be outside of that. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, when, how big is the facility? 2,500 square feet. <laughs> So in 2,500 square feet, is that that's that's the warehousing portion, or does that also have some administrative space? That's, oh, that's that's the whole entire space. Yeah, I'd yeah, say yeah. We're probably using um, 1,800 square feet for the the product prep and shipping. 1,800 square feet, and you're able to move that much product through, and and a lot of it in and out in the same day. Did I hear that right? We we do up up to a thousand pieces in a day with just a staff of a couple of people. So yeah. so I just want to make sure I'm clear on that. Some of that, a portion of that, comes in and goes out the same day. Correct? Our, our, this is another metric that we have, and we've got some, some cool visual management techniques we use but uh, to, to make sure we, we do this. And our com internal commitment is nothing sits more than two days. Um, and we always we have two prep customers who do shoes and clothes who do probably an average of three to 300 items a day two to 300 items a day. And a second commitment is we always ship their stuff first. Mm -hmm. So if there's a labor shortage, it falls on my business, not theirs. But typically items don't go out the same day. They okay. go out the next day because the next of day. because of the way our process is set up. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about your process. So you have uh, shippers or uh, sorry, shoppers out there buying for you. And um, are they using their money or your money? They use our, our company cards. Okay, so they're using your money. And so I remember one of the um, best uh, process people I, I uh, had on my show talked about receipt management and how complicated it was for him um, and then making sure that what he paid for is what he got. Do you guys have a process for handling that, especially in a lean way? We have a Google form that every shopper fills out each time they check out. Uh, and they, they input the exact amount of the receipt, the number of items, and several other pieces of information. And then when they drop off, uh, they, hand, they take the receipt and somebody else counts the items in. So we can see that we got the, the same number of items from the same store. We don't reconcile every single item against the receipt, but we do reconcile the count and the, and the stores. So before they leave, you know, they're in the parking lot and they tell you, hey, uh, Perry, expect that you're going to get 100 pair of, you know, Adidas, uh, blah, 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 or whatever, right? Is that kind of the concept? 
Yes. And then that form um, feeds into a, a Slack channel. It's used for a couple different things. Our, our warehouse manager can see the incoming, so he knows what to expect and prepare for. And we also use it to let our shoppers track each other because they shop where they want to, basically. We'll sometimes give them suggestions, but they plan their own day, their own uh, map. And that way they can they can see where other shoppers in our circle have shopped recently. They can talk to each other and say, hey, did you clean that place out? Oh, I'm going to go to the another one. Do they take advantage of um, hot products and share that across the Slack channel too? Uh, yes, they do sometimes. It's okay. definitely available for that purpose. Well, I'm, I'm guessing, and this is Steve guessing, and you could don't give away your secret sauce if you don't want to, is mm-hmm. I'm assuming that they're paid a percentage and there's some kind of, there's some kind of incentive for them to buy more at the right price and make either profit or whatever the parameters that you establish. Does that create, if I'm correct when I say that, is that create a competitive uh, um, um, notion between them and therefore sometimes it doesn't get shared? Uh, we pay by the piece. Okay. So it, it could theoretically, but... Um, They're pretty they, respectful of each other. Okay. Yeah, they, they each have their favorite stores that they like to go to, and they know to avoid one store because it's somebody else's favorite and probably been cleaned out recently. Yeah. They, they play pretty well together. They're friends. And I, I've got one guy that's just what I would call like a harvester, right? He doesn't like to explore new new stores, so he just goes where he can get items. And then I've got another lady who shops for us who is very much an explorer and we give a bonus for finding new stores that that we can source regularly so we pay 30 40 dollars to anyone who brings a new store that's a consistent place to source so we have different personality types which really work well together and they tend to they tend to source where they enjoy shopping too so that that spreads them out also Is it is it their lifestyle for them? You know, one of the things that you guys have created a, a very cool lifestyle for you and your family. Is this allowing them to create the lifestyle that they want? Sounds like with that guy and that lady, they sound different. Oh yeah, very much so. One of uh, one of our shoppers is also a seller, um, and he he I don't know for his side gig now, or I don't know which one is his main source of income, but it's it's really helped him to build up his own business. And a couple of our daughters work for us. They were in coffee shops for a while, and they decided they didn't like getting up at 5 a.m. Hmm. They really enjoy the freedom and flexibility that they have shopping for us. Yeah, we've, we've got a shopper that earns $35,000, $40,000 a year working three days a week, basically. And she's pretty happy where she is time and money-wise. It's very much a lifestyle choice. Yeah, that's it is so cool. Um, you know, and I think of the shopper that is also a seller that works for you. One of these, one of the notions that I've seen out there is that um, if somebody does, if you go and work for somebody else, it means you failed, right? Because you're, you know, you couldn't make it. You know, uh, you couldn't do it on your own, so you had to go work for somebody else. And my thinking is, you know what, you you saw what it's like to run your own business and you're like, I, that sucks, that part, the because it's not easy, right? I'm sure, you know, there are, you guys have to sweat all the details. Um, right. If if you only have this, the best part of what you love to do, Perry, is to buy and we're going to pay you that. We're going to give you everything you want. You're not responsible other, you know, making sure you follow some parameters, but you get to spend as much time as you want doing the piece that you love and then you can go live your life the way you want. How's that? How's that person fail? Would you agree? Yeah. yeah, I agree. I've actually I love sourcing, so I've actually thought about being a hired gun for other people. <laughs> but in this case, the guy we're talking about is still selling. 
and also sourcing for us. So in a way, we're kind of like a paid internship. We've helped him ramp his business up pretty quick. He, he started shopping for us. And one of our offers when he started shopping for us was, we can teach you to do this. You can you can sell and build your own business. Okay. So yeah, but, it was, but it was Kim, he's software. taken the best things for himself. This is what I think people would say, right? How do you uh -huh. know he's not keeping the best things for himself? Yes. You're getting the crumbs? You're getting the crumbs? He brings us good crumbs. As a seller, he's got really good insight into what's going to sell and what won't. And his crumbs make us happy. His Well, we're 10 times his volume, too. So our buying parameters are totally different. He is taking the best as he sees it. But that leaves what I would call, you know, the long tail. What he would consider the long tail that I'm perfectly happy with buying, like a 40%, $12 kind of minimum ROI ranked under two or 300000 with no competitive offers, all that stuff that makes him nervous, I'm tickled to get that. So it's it's really a win-win situation. Hmm. Have you guys, you know, looking where you're at today, right, and the fact that you're really trying to lean it out and trying to make sure that you've done all those fancy terms that you dropped, by the way, Perry, <laughs> I caught all those fancy terms. I mean, I, I did. I didn't understand most of them, but I, I caught them. Um, I, I, I saw that. Um, have you guys had to pivot? Um, and if so, is it, was it intentional? What, what do you mean by pivot? Well, because, you know, you could become complacent in this business. You can be, hey, this is what's working. Boom, I'm all down on it. And we just keep going, 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 going. And then all of a sudden, you know, restrictions gotcha. happen, you know, or blah, or, or some guy does something and, the Nike all of a sudden has a problem. It falls off a cliff, whatever. Right? Right. And then you have to change and, but pivot, not like, not like adjust. I'm talking about like swing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this goes back to why we decided to cap our business where we are volume wise, because we're, uh, we're exploring other, other avenues related to Amazon, but that aren't selling related. Um, we're doing a little bit of brand consulting. I'm, beginning just barely dabble in private label but yeah we have in uh september of 2016 the great nike scare where nike got locked down for so many people um, nike was 25 percent of our inventory but over 50 percent of our sales and we lost nike for three days um that's a wake-up call right there mm. you know that's that's a cup of cold water in the face so we immediately pivoted away from nike for six months we got our, our inventory back live and sold through it, but just overnight, the thing that was driving half our sales, we moved away from it for six months. And we did keep sourcing a little Nike, and we still do source a significant amount of Nike, but we're self-conscious about not letting our business hinge on one brand. Is that what the lesson is? I mean, is that what, if you had to take a takeaway from that whole experience? Yeah, the whole don't put everything in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Not um, the Nike basket, not the Amazon RA basket. Right. Okay. Always, always look for a side hustle that you can expand into an income if you have to. And is a side hustle, does it have to be related to what you're doing or could it be something you're interested in or is that a risk of distraction? I think it can be anything that you're willing to put some time and energy and passion into. All, we have quite a few side hustles right now, and they all tie pretty closely into Amazon, but not into our Amazon RA. 
Well, one of the things that you guys, the reason you guys have a bunch of side hustles, people are attracted to you because they see talent and they see success and they're like, hey, I'd like a taste of that, right? So so you guys are in a group with um, uh, Brian Freifelter and Elizabeth, correct? Um, sure. It's a, is it Marshalls and TJ? Walk us through that because I, I lose because I know there's two different groups and I don't know who's with who. Sure. Do you, well, um do you mind if I drop the URL? No, go right ahead. Absolutely. I, I have no problem with it because, again, and I, I caution people, Steve doesn't benefit in any way, but I look for long-term consistency. And this okay. group, uh, Brian, who was one of my earliest interviews years ago, almost three years ago, those groups have been going for years, and you have members that have been in these groups for years. There's a reason. They're paying money. There's a reason. Consistency matters. And so I, that's why I have no problem with it. Oh, thanks. Well, we were – Pretty, if not founding members, pretty close to founding members of the group. Um, they used to be two groups, one that focused on Ross and Burlington and one that focused on TJ Maxx and Marshalls. Um, we've recently merged them into one group. So there's just one super group now. Uh, and we have a little website called rasecrets.com. And yeah, we, it's, we teach you... We, we tell you what we're buying from those four stores in the group. We tell you our buy cost, the rank when we bought it, how long it took to sell. But it's more than that. It's evolved into a community that um, we teach you how to source items with variations. We walk you through, um, based on our experience, you know, inauthentics. Um, we, we help you. It's just a very open, safe place to share any aspect of, of the business that you want to ask us about, we'll share with you. It's it's very much a coaching group. It, we share 200 leads a month or more, but it's not a bolo group. It's right. it's a coaching group. Yeah, I think that that's the key is people go in and say, oh, you're going to give me, hey, you didn't give me a great list. Everybody else, there was none there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the, the, the trick is then why did the blue one sell versus the red one, right? Why why are certain sizes, right, shoes especially, right? Why do these sizes sell the most, right? And once why, you learn why you that. Buying, why are you buying items ranked over a million and passing on items ranked 20,000? Yeah, right. right. And why would that be? Give me an example why that would be. Um, if an item is completely out of stock and you can see on a keepagraph or um, by the number of reviews that it, it was in demand when it was available, that would be a good reason to buy a very high ranked item. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so we teach markers for pent up demand basically as, be- as best we can. You're dropping terms again, dude. You are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, people he, want it. It's not there, right? Oh, uh, okay. You got to speak Steve language, right? I mean, you know, you don't be talking over my head. I mean, come on. You got to keep me in the game. It's not like I'm playing Dallas here. I mean, geez. There's a lot of, there's a lot of clues to look for when you're deciding to buy something or to pass on it, things to watch out for. And we, we talk about that in the group and in a lot of detail. One of the other things that I think you guys have really done is kind of stayed focused um, despite all these other things going on. And I, I, you said you have a bunch of side hustles, but you guys have really stayed in your lane for the most part. Is that fair? Yes, I, I think we found a business model that's really working for us. And while we want to remain um, flexible and able to pivot, we also want to keep doing what, what is working well for us. Yeah, well, uh, You could drop private label, though, into your warehouse model. And as long as the, you know, all that efficiency stays in line, it's right. just another product, another SKU coming through. To me, that's that's masterful. That. 
that's true. Um, you know, we we were convinced a couple years ago when everybody was saying RA is dead, we need to get into wholesale. And while I'm kind of an extrovert, I don't like selling myself so much. Hmm. Uh, and she's very much an introvert. So we looked at wholesale and we went, oh, man, we have to <laughs> sell ourselves to companies to convince them to give us accounts. We don't want to do that. And then we got into private label and I've been studying it this year and it was like, oh man, there's no instant gratification here. I've got to like chart things out three to six months in advance before I launch and then I've got to have good pay. Like it's just nothing fits our constantly changing family dynamic as well as RA has so far, but we haven't ruled the other stuff out. We're, you know, we have a couple wholesale accounts. I've got a tiny little product that I'm practicing private label with We're, you know, we don't rule it out. This just hasn't been a good fit yet. Okay. The other thing that you guys just had was a meetup um, with a group of people. Talk about that for a second. Well, <laughs> it's it's a little bit of just we wanted to know who the other sellers were in the area, right? You want to know who your competition is? Are, are, are you talking about our local meetup we do or our little workshop? No, I'm talking about the workshop. But, I mean, you could talk about the local meetup because I'm, I'm big into local meetups too. And I don't go for the competition because, you know, I don't do RA. So, for me, right. I just like to talk to other sellers because it's lonely in the warehouse, Perry. <laughs> Very true. No, we, we did found, found a local San Antonio meetup. And we try to have monthly meetings, but we've missed the – we haven't hosted the one in a couple of weeks. But – we just like talking shop and sh hearing other people's perspectives and, you know, knowing where other people are are uh, sourcing and we share where we source. We're pretty open people. But as far as our, our little workshop, um, and I'll try to stay away from the jargon. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was the concept? I mean, what were you thinking? Well, I have all this experience and in improving physical material, you know, like inventory processes, warehouse processes. And like I told you before, I know there's a lot of small businesses that can't afford a, a $500 uh, an hour consultant. So, so you wanted to, uh, you have a demonstrated uh, level of experience that you've been able to apply to your business, not only your business, other businesses, but now into your business, it's worked, it's made you X percent more efficient. And so you're saying to other like-minded people, hey, we might have an opportunity for you to take that 2,000 square feet and stay there, as you said, longer, therefore reap the benefit of not having to expand and, and all that additional cost and lost time. I don't want to downplay that because that's a huge deal. Moving sucks. Um, yeah. And so, so by doing that, is that is that kind of the start of this lean FBA thing that you're talking about? It is. Um, that's the working title of our workshop. We've been inviting people to San Antonio for about two days of uh, eight hours worth of learning, where we help them analyze their internal, how they do their work, and find a better way to do it. Um, it's very much the start of it. I love helping people. I love seeing the look of realization on their face. Well, they, give us an example, because I, I think it's very cool. I want to hear about a light bulb moment where somebody, what you would say was no big deal, but in their mind, you saw like the clouds open and the light beam down on their head. Uh, yeah, well, without naming names, we've done, you know, we've done three kind of beta tests of this. And one technique that we use, which you can just go on YouTube and search for how to do a spaghetti map. Um, it's kind of like, Remember when uh, Billy and the family circus, mom would say, go put this in the mailbox quick and need the, this letter to go out. 
and he would do anything but go straight to the mailbox. You remember those? Oh, yeah. He did all the yeah. little dotted line that went around the neighborhood and under everything and through everything. Right. Well, you just you do that with your you do two different colors of ink. You draw your floor plan and then you draw the start of where your people come to work and how they move through your warehouse and where they stop at the end of the day. And then you do it again with a different colored ink for their product path. So you're tracing the the product path and the people path through your warehouse, through your workspace. And it's very enlightening. Like usually there's just a couple of key tweaks you can do to cut half of the movement out of your people's day. Hmm. Um, I consulted in in materials management for hospitals for 18 months after my last job before Amazon was full time. And we did that for nurses in an ICU ward one time, a wing. And they were walking like five to seven miles a day because things were just not self-consciously laid out. It's no wonder they were exhausted by the end of the day because they were almost doing a, you know, they were doing a 10K every day at work. I remember the story about uh, Walmart being the one that put batteries next to the things that needed batteries, right? Kmart, Sears, and whoever else was big at the time had a battery department. If you wanted to buy a battery, you had to go buy a battery. Guess what? Nobody went and bought their battery, right? And so Walmart said, hmm, let's put our batteries in 17 different places. Yeah, it sucks for the inventory people, but who cares? We want to sell it anyway. There shouldn't be any inventory left, right? And they took and made that efficiency, and all of a sudden they saw this huge improvement in their business. And so something so simple as putting tools next to where they're needed <laughs> right. mm -hmm. sounds so obvious, right? Yeah, and, and everybody that's come through our workshop so far has had one of those moments or more of those moments. Everybody said, oh, wow, this, is, this little thing right here is going to change my life. This is going to change my whole business. Now, wait, so it's, you're, it has been, this little workshop... You're gonna change somebody's life. Now think about that. No, I mean it. I, you know, I'm not downplaying it. That's a big deal. It's not always the things we expect. It's a lot of times they we bring them in and they see our employees working, and we actually had a lot of them work the line with us. And there were just very small things that we wouldn't have thought to say, do this, not this, but they saw it and they picked up on it because it was hands on. Are we back to you in this catalog company, Perry, bringing the office staff out to work the line? That's what it's uh, the way you just described it, Kim. That's what I thought of exactly. I'm like, you you demonstrated again and they got to get out there and say, huh, I see it now. Because when you sit in an office and you're in there, make it, you know, Perry, I want 10 percent more efficiency from the team. Let's go make them work faster. Just just more no more breaks. bathroom breaks. No more bathroom breaks. Come on, move, you know. But bringing them out, so this is another example. That's where we're back to, Perry. Yeah, it is. And um, so this was an American addition to an American business addition to to lean lean management, and it was an eighth. Lean breaks down uh, production and material management waste into seven categories, but the eighth was very American, and it was under underutilized personnel, and part of that is when the front office loses connection with the production floor. In our case, it would be the boss, the owner, loses connection with the prep process or the order fulfillment process, right? And it's, it's critical that you don't just become an outdated expert sitting in the office telling your guys how to do things. 
but that you're actually in the trenches looking, learning, expanding, cooperating, collaborating so that uh, you guys are all on the same page. It's huge. How, qu- how quickly could somebody become that outdated expert in today's fast-paced e-commerce world? Months, I think. Months. Really? I mean, um, I, I have a goal. It's been a busy summer writing this workshop and, and getting it the last six weeks, getting it just right. But moving into the fourth quarter, I intend to go down to my, my warehouse um, once a week and work a shift with the guys and just be like, just plug me in. Let me do the work. Does it also uh, apply to your shoppers? Because, you know, the stores, you know, when we all see the, you know, certain stores ban people or they, you know, take the coupon today and then it depends on who you ask and blah, 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 blah. I mean, is that also a place that you could run into a rub? Oh, yeah. Things are changing every day, every week. We do we do generally have pretty close communication with the shoppers, partly because they're our daughters. Uh, some of them are our daughters, but we they come and go a lot more. So we see them more. I think it's easier to lose touch with the, the but, prep side of the process. But, but let's be honest, the shopping side is more fun. So we naturally <laughs> we do the shopping. We do it. Uh, I get it. OK. Well, this is very cool. So if somebody wanted to find out more information about this lean FBA and I know you're not this isn't a course out there or anything that yet, yet, right? right. Yet. But this is in the development phase. If somebody wanted to, to find out more, what's the best way to get info on that? Um, well, I'm, I'm pretty all over the place on Facebook and the FBA groups. Okay. We have a little uh, Facebook group where we post occasionally and help people with um, RA questions. And it's with, a free group, correct? Yes. Correct, yeah. Okay, it's and the just, name of the group is what? Uh, Perry and Kim's FBA corner. <laughs> I'm a member. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pe- people know us. We're those weirdos with the, the 13 kids, right? So. Yeah, I don't know about the weirdos. I, I see a connection. I've met several of your kids, and they're pretty good kids. I mean, so I, I think they're, I think you guys have done okay. All right. So, you know, I think we, we, I've gotten all the questions that I have answered, um, I love the direction you guys are going. I love the lifestyle that it's evolved to um, because you guys work a lot of hours um, and it clearly comes into your personal life, your business. But would you have it, knowing what you know now, would you have it any other way? No, I love this. I love I love what we do and I love that our, our kids have chosen to be involved in it and I love working with my husband. How about you, Perry? <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing. Um, we, That's a big got, statement. Yeah, it's it's fun. I'm looking forward to what the future holds. Um, there was a definite adjustment period after being a consultant for 18 months. And then it was like military reintegration, right? On top of working for my wife. Like, no. it literally was. Well, she's tough. I get it. Yeah. Well, um you know, dad comes home from an 18 month tour of duty. I was only home for a day and a half for two days every weekend for 18 months. Um, we're both oldest kids. We're both a little bit type A. She started a business in my wheelhouse, which is fulfillment and, and materials management. And then I had to take orders like and I'm not the best, easiest employee. <laughs> but but we've gotten through all that with communication. And I love it. It's it's a flexibility that lets us um homeschool and manage our house the way we want to manage it. We're bringing in our friends and family into our business and be working alongside people we love. Uh, wouldn't change a thing. It's the lean family. 
You guys have to have that. That's another course you should be teaching is that lean family uh, dynamic because it sounds like it's working. All right. So the goal, and so I'm going to have links to all this stuff. So I'll put links. There's an RA secrets. That's where you can go find out about it's TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Ross, and who was the other one? Or is that Burlington. It? Burlington. 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 That's right. Um, well, the easiest way to find our, our group, Stephen, is actually from our website. It's a free little website, perryandkim.com. Real easy. Perryandkim.com. That's all. Uh, it's the one with all the picture of all the kids together, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, I love that one. Okay. And so then we also have Perry and Kim's FBA uh, Corner. Okay. So that's a Facebook group. And I'm going to have links to all this stuff. So the goal of the podcast is to help people get past the point of stuck. And so what I'm going to suggest to people is if you're attracted to any of these things they're talking about, especially this lean FBA thing, man, I'm telling you, you know, having a big warehouse like we do, we, we have lots of touch points that I'm always trying to reduce. And so if somebody's been able to do it and help you figure that stuff out, as uh, Mitchell Lipp always says, buy that time, right? Buy time by mm -hmm. paying somebody else who can help you get to where you want to go. So, um, you know, to me, if you're interested in that, reach out to these guys. That's the, that's the best thing I would do if I, wanted, if I wanted to get past the point of stuck. But give us another tip, something that you advise people, one of those low-hanging fruits that somebody can go into their existing business and try to move it forward. Hmm. Low hanging. Well, my, yeah. My, my tip was actually, uh, I'll send you a, a link to a very short spaghetti map video on YouTube. It's like a minute long hmm. and there's no secret sauce there, but take the time to trace out your physical motion through your process. Take the time to trace out your products motion and travel through your process and then just rearrange it. So there's less movement. That's, that's worth, 20, 30% efficiency right there, in my opinion. Nice low-hanging fruit. Kim, anything uh, you want to add on top of that? Oh, that was mine, too. <laughs> well, yeah. Keep an <laughs> iron fist. Cool. Rule with an iron fist, right? Over that husband. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, I really do appreciate, um, I appreciate, A, the giving spirit. I mean, to me, I see it. I see the advice you're giving consistently. Again, you're helping others in, in both their business and their life. And I think Again, I think we're also fortunate to have the two intermingle because I just think it's so much healthier um, than what it used to be. And so very, very cool. Um, I really appreciate it. I wish you guys nothing but success. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks for having us. What a great couple. Uh, what a great couple of business people, too. Again, I, I know it gets a little techy and he drops some nerd terms, um, but... He does know what he's talking about. And so if that's attractive to you in any way, it, sometimes that's that might stifle your growth. But if you could build up some cash because you stifled your growth, because you figured out where your inefficiencies are and you purge some of that nonsense, how are you not better off for it? And so I think they're a great couple. They got a lot of good ideas. They got, it's a very open group. Come and join those groups and start investing into your business. Start investing into your life to gain back that time. Imagine if you gain, if you were to double your productivity and then took a little bit of that time to work on your health, to work on your mental health, to work on your relationships, how much further could your business be? EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.